Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Friday morning. Keyshawn, the first thing I got to tell you right now, it's a crisp, balmy 46 yeah. degrees. Yeah, so it's warm out, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a heat. It's a warm cool. front coming It's a good Friday. <laughs> I like this Friday. Yeah, 46, 47, 50. That's all good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But when it started to drop, not good. 52 in L.A., by the way, right now. Mm. Yeah, but the 52 in L.A. is a different 52. How so? Because it's warmer for whatever reason. It's just a, it's a, you know, we can, when it gets 45 in L.A., we shutting down, locking down everything. We staying home. It's just, we're good. What See, New York, in New York, when it's like 45, 50, like I'm wearing hey, a T-shirt. Ice skating I'm wearing a T-shirt. No, yeah, I'm wearing a T-shirt. I'm wearing not some, a, not some, at shirt, the crib, some shorts, man. yeah. You know, when it rains in L.A., it's locked down. We just... School's closing. We just, right? Even, even a sprinkle, like the breaking news. <laughs> yeah, it's news. like, oh, all right, what are you doing today? I think I'm going to stay home. Oh, I'm probably going to work at around noon. I'll be back by 3. It's dangerous out there. It's wet. <laughs> that's the way we, that's the way LA is, man. It's dangerous out there. It's wet. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. This is interesting, fellas. For the first time since week six, and here we are, you know, six, seven weeks later. For the first time since week six, we didn't have a Thursday night game last night. You had mentioned yesterday you were flipping around, waiting I, for a Thursday yeah, night game. I didn't game. know what – because it originally was one scheduled, obviously, and they moved it. Right. And I didn't catch them moving it because they done moved so much, you know, and moving it back and forth, they move it to this day. And you're like, okay, it's, then they move it again. So when I was looking yesterday, I was like, okay, I, what do I do? Go home, get something to eat, watch, wait for the game to come on. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't even find college football. But I did watch USC lose to UConn in basketball, but, you know, <clears throat> well, whatever. Well, you know. Well, you know. It's fine. It's, we U- got the USC, it's USC basketball. We got the Mobley brothers. See, you were, you, were, you were joking with my team the other day when we lost to a top 10 team, and you guys lost. So you know. are, I guess UConn's a good basketball program still. I don't know, but we lost to them, and I owe Dan Orlowski 100 bucks. I'm going to give it to him in all ones. Danny Hurley is the coach there. He's doing a hell of a job. Yes, and Dan went to UConn, Dan Orlowski. Yeah. Quick couple things we should mention. USC is a young kid named Edmund Mobley. Keep that name in mind. He's an outstanding dynamite, dynamite young I, could, I didn't know which one it was because it, it, it's two of them. And they're Correct. brothers. Mm-hmm. One of them was Evan Mobley, and the other one was – Keep uh, an eye on Evan, though. Keep an eye it's on Evan. It's Evan the one because I could – the other one, I was like, yeah. <laughs> off air. We'll have that conversation off air. I was like, yeah, okay. And that game that Key mentioned that was supposed to be last night was going to be Baltimore and Dallas. That game has been moved to Tuesday night football. So that said, we'll have games on Sunday night, Monday night, two games on Monday night, and a game on Tuesday night. That said, what's the biggest game y'all are looking forward to this Sunday? I think for me, you know, there's a couple that stand out for a lot of different reasons, but the one I think that is the the, the ticket this weekend is the Cleveland-Tennessee game. Mm. Cleveland Browns, Tennessee Titans. Because Cleveland, they haven't uh, made the playoffs since 2002, and they haven't been 10-6 and, 10 and six since 2007. Mm. So when you look at that, how important is that for Cleveland to continue to move in the right direction under Kevin Stefanski? Now, you could say, well, and, and, and they need to prove. They need a big a big game, right? The one big game, they kind of got smashed against Baltimore. You could kind of, if you wanted to, preference the Indy game as a big game, I guess, based on how Indy played after that um, in Phillip Rivers. But in terms of a signature win, I think if they could take care of Tennessee, Jay Zubin, that's a signature win for Cleveland. Baker Mayfield's been playing 
solid football, doing a great job at not turning the football over, continuing to deliver it in sync to his players, allowing them to make plays for him. And so I think that that is the way that they move forward in terms of the recipe. Uh, They won't win the division because Pittsburgh is not going to lose enough games for them to be able to do that. But they can at least finish in second place and get a wild card berth and, and possibly make some noise once they get into the playoffs. Is there a part of you that is just waiting for the bottom to fall out with the Cleveland Browns? Are we waiting for the Browns to brown it? No. I, well, the, the, well, there's a history of the Browns browning it, right? So there is this me holding my breath, just kind of saying, all right, like, are they going to be able to do it? Like, this is, a, this is a statement game for them. Against, I know who the Titans are to a degree. I've watched them. I know who Derrick Henry is. I know who Ryan Tannehill is. I've seen when Baker Mayfield play against Joe Barrow and throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. I've seen them ground and pound, run the ball with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubbs and Kevin Stefanski, I think has to start being in a conversation for coach of the year. Not saying he's going to be the leading candidate, but he has to be in the conversation. But there is also a part of me that is saying, all right, is this going to be a typical Brown letdown game that we are expecting them to be next level and they may not live up to that expectation. There's a part of me that wonders if that's going to happen this Look, weekend. Look, if they win this game on Sunday, they move to 9-3. and three. They haven't been 9-3 and three in a long time. And, and that is a step in the right direction. I think when you, when you say they've been browning it, that's at the beginning of the year. No, I'm just, saying, never, I'm just saying there's a part of me that feels like they could brown this game. Like it could they, be a game. They could. Because we're ready the, for them to the, arrive, but Key. They, even if they lost the game, I'm not going to – uh, kick them to the curb. Oh, here we go again. Even if they lost, because they they it, it all depends on how they lose. Do they get run over like Baltimore did them, or do they lose because it's a forty eight yard field goal with a minute to go in the game? Like, do they lose like that? Well, that's what I'm saying. But they haven't had a signature win, and. I, but it's, it, there's, there's a part of me that it feels like the ceiling for the Browns is higher than the ceiling for the Titans. Just because I think Baker Mayfield can be the X factor. What Baker Mayfield are you going to get? Like if they start, especially if they get behind in this ball game, right, due to the style, like Baker's going to have to make throws. Now look, the Titans have the fifth worst pass defense there is in the league. Like there are going to be opportunities for him to do that. I just feel like this team can excel. They can go to a different level depending on – Baker can take his game to the different level. Well, it's not it's not all on Baker. This is I not know it's about not. it's not about Baker Mayfield in this football game. It's about the entire organization and the team willing to take the next step to go to 9 and 3. If they fall behind for some apparent reason and he has to now go away from the way that he's been playing and they have to go away from the way he's been playing over the last several weeks, then we'll see what Baker Mayfield is. Do you start to get into him throwing the ball 35 plus times? because they're down by 10 points. Just depends on how the flow of the game goes. I I honestly, if they lost this game and they still played okay, that still encourages me because the program is moving forward. If they get run out of the building, then I would say, okay, they they, they got a long ways to go. But if there's a narrow victory by Tennessee, then I look at it a little bit different for them. I'm not going to throw them out the window, Zubin, if they lose. I'm just saying I really want to see the Browns have a statement win, have a big boy win. Time to, like, we have arrived. We are here. 
Everybody else can say well, whatever the hell that, they want. That's what has to happen, though, today. Or today. Jeez. That's Sunday. what has to happen Sunday. They need a big boy win. But if for some reason, Jay, they don't win the game and lose it by a, a, a long field goal or two, you know, not get run out of the building, it still has some encouragement there because they've been so bad for so long. It still shows you, okay, they're headed in the right direction. They just haven't crossed the bridge yet. That's what. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's one of two interesting games that are on the docket this weekend, and that's kind of our poll question today. Who needs a win more to prove themselves? The Browns at the Titans, 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. The guys just talked about it. Or the Cardinals when they take on the Rams. Litmus test games for both Cleveland and Arizona. Which one needs a win to prove themselves to you more? Be a part of the Keyshawn, Jabel, and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper. Today, I would just say since 2009, the Browns have had seven general managers. Since 2009, the Browns have had eight head coaches. They are relatively drama-free this week, this <laughs> One, year. Two, That's 17, three, by the four, way. Yes. Wow. If you combine the general managers and head coaches since 2009, there have been 17 Jeez. people in those particular positions. Think about that. And how many owners? One. The Haslam family, one. one. Correct. And they have maybe not acquitted themselves the way Browns fans would have hoped. On the way, they have zero wins in their last five games, but this coach has zero qualms about ripping into his team to try and save their season. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Matt Nagy, all I've heard people talk about him be is a quarterback guru. Every freaking coach on the on the staff, every player better wake up, start understanding where we're at. He did this to himself. And if your intent was to play Nick Foles all alone, you should have did it at the beginning of the season. Have some personal pride. Have some pride into who we're playing for and why we do this. You can save the, we need to, to find ourselves our personal pride. The time to say that was a month ago. That... Is Mike Greenberg <laughs> probably speaking the truth? It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're wondering if there's anything good, we had to search long and hard. We had the research department go deep. Is there any good news for the Bears? There is. Their next opponent, 
the Detroit Lions. That's the only good piece of news Maybe. we could find. Maybe. Maybe. Trubisky Maybe. has fared well, though, against the Lions in his career. We yeah, should mention it, that. It, and it took Matt Trubisky a miracle to come from behind when they played him the first time around. No question about it. That was the 3-0 and start, which feels like it was eons ago. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's get straight into Matt Nagy's comments, not mincing any words whatsoever. There was zero concern in that regards and I know you know it can come off that way to outsiders or people that aren't in the building but um, I'll just say that there was zero concern of of any of that where there's divisiveness or anything with me versus there is none of that we're we're all in this thing together and we're in a we're in a great spot for that part of it and now we just we just talk through okay why did that happen why did things go that way and then uh, you know I think that our defensive guys they got a lot of pride and and they're they're angry at how that went down. And they I think that they respect and understand where, where I'm coming from because they believe the same thing. That's what we talked about. So that's where we're at, and they're motivated to get back out there. Before we move on to coach, I'm going to clean something up on a fact check. Please do. It's Mitch Trubisky, gotcha. not Matt Trubisky, his cousin. Just want to make Ooh, sure gotcha. that I clean that up because I was thinking about Matt Nagy. Uh, look, whatever – Zero concerns and all the little chatter from a coach. It's a little bit too late. I mean, I understand right now you're trying to throw a lifeline out there for yourself to rally the troops. You should have done that a long time ago. You actually shouldn't have never benched, benched Mitch Trubisky when he was 3-0. and You probably would have put yourself in a much better place right now today than you are because you made a decision based on a guy that you had in Nick Foles, and I continue to keep saying this over and over again, to go and trade for him because you felt that your good friend Doug Peterson could help you understand it and Andy Reid could help you understand him and you knew him a little bit and you thought he would come in and work magic like he did for the Philadelphia Eagles several years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. Different situation. You asked him to come in in the fourth game of the year opposed to the 12th game of the year. There's a big, big difference there. You wanted to have him play basically the entire season when you're 3-0. and Despite... What Mitch Trubisky looked like in those three wins, you were still winning the damn games. I hate when coaches start to replace players that is, you know, you're winning, but they're sitting there saying, well, we could get more out of it. The position, I think you're 3-0. and You were actually 3-0. and It was a long time ago. And then Foles won a game or two for you along the way. Yes, he beat Tom Brady a second time, once in the Super Bowl. Wee! But now look at you. Now you now you asking for somebody to extend an olive branch to you to save you. Tell you, Adam Gase, Matt Nagy, two of the best soap poppers there are on TV right now. Keep watching. Keep watching. So you're telling me that a team that is inept offensively, that has struggled to score offensively, even struggled to find out who their quarterback is. Matt Nagy throws the defense, the eighth best in points allowed defense in the NFL. He throws them under the bus when they lose to the Packers on Sunday and then doubles down after that by saying, I have zero concerns about there being any divisiveness between me or the play. There's already been divisiveness. He's been he's digging a deeper and deeper grave. I feel like every time I hear him talk. Now, I don't know why you have to double down, Key. You said what you said. You didn't allow your defensive players to talk to the media. Just, you can answer the question completely differently. 
You can say, hey, look, I said what I said. We're moving on. I just want us to get better. He, and we'll get better tomorrow, and that's it. Let our game, let our play dictate how we feel, and we'll move on from there. Well, here, here's what I would say, because it, it, it's all hearsay when it comes to the defense. Oh, there's no the, truth to that. Okay, that's here, on me. Here's I read that. That's hearsay, on me. All right. Here's all the hearsay about the defense and what they were saying. and I, just, I don't care about that because it's hearsay. You know you have a good defense. That could potentially be a great defense if your offense could help them. It's about the offense. It's not about the defense. Chuck Pagano, who, in my opinion, could be the coach waiting in the wings right there on the defensive side of the ball, uh, is doing his part with the defense. They haven't really fell off at all in this time of, you know, losing games. So when you look at it, Matt Nagy's trying to deflect some of the blame because a lot of it is on him and the offense. So if you're supposed to be an offensive expert that Jay will has been referencing for quite some time along with many others, you have to get the offense to play better. I don't care how you do it, but it has to play better to help the defense out. I played with one of the top defenses of all times in uh, Tampa Bay with Derek Brooks and in Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp and in John Lynch and Rondé Barber and Brian Kelly and, Dexter Jackson, I can go on and on and on about what our defense was. And when we couldn't do what we needed to do on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the defense would come to us and say, man, just get us nine points. We good. Get us nine, Key. Just get us nine, man. And that was it. Lights out. That's all we needed was nine, and our defense would handle the rest. You, you got to instill some sort of confidence in the offense that you can get some points on the board to help the defense. It's going to make the defense better. When we finally got the offense clicking our Super Bowl year, nobody could beat us at that point. We knew we could put up 28, 35. It was a wrap. Once we hit, it was over with. But you didn't see you didn't see John Gruden start blaming the defense when our offense was struggling. Or you didn't see Tony Dungy blame the defense when our offense was struggling. They went to fix it. And they got it fixed. And Matt Nagy obviously is running out of patience, running out of time. So, you know, whatever little tidbits of information that's leaking out of the locker room about his displeasure with his defense or whatever the case may be, you don't know that. It's always some chitter-chatter. There's always one or two guys that is the locker room lawyers. And in this situation, I go back to it again. Fix the damn offense. Hopefully Mitch Trubisky against the Lions can act like Mitch Trubisky and not Matt Trubisky, his cousin. Hmm. Indeed. He, he probably has a real Matt Trubisky in his family. Let me stop. Well, let's be honest. <laughs> with the way the Bears fans are about him, he needs an identity change. He does not want to be recognized on the Thank street you. as Mitchell Trubisky. But I, I bet you, the, the fact that you said that, Z, yeah. I bet you they appreciate him more now <laughs> than when he was 3-0. No doubt about it. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let me just say one last thing. The Bears started 5-1, and one and they have a 15% chance to make the playoffs. Fellas, do you understand how hard it is to be 5-1 and one and have a 15% chance to make the playoffs in a year where they've actually added one spot to the playoff field? That is a detriment when you think about it. 5-1, and one, 15% with an extra spot available. That, more than anything, tells you the tailspin Maybe right two now. extra spots that they are in. Bart Scott will weigh in on all things football when he joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line coming up at 7.15 a.m. Eastern. It's a football Friday, and he'll be all over it 
That's on the way at 7.15. Still to come, Jay had mentioned Adam Gase. Coming up, he makes an admission that almost no one thought he would ever make. You'll hear it straight from Gase. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Adam, why did you take over the play calling? I didn't take over. We did this. We've done the same thing the last four games. I'm right now. It's no fun going out there and, and getting your beat. We need to get better fast. Are you worried about the message it sends to the rest of the locker room about the rest of the season? I think our locker room is pretty good right now. You know, I, I feel like the players are, are really the ones trying to find a way to, to flip this thing. I mean, they're they're taking the lead on this. It's on me to get him to play better than what he's played. I mean, I haven't done a good enough job. Me is Adam Gase. Him is Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has the worst total QBR in the NFL since Adam Gase took over the Jets. That's a notable admission, and we should mention maybe the Jets are the league's only winless team because, as you heard there, they're not only battling the opposition, they're battling the media each and every day. It's like a two-on-one every day for the Jets. This is Jets head coach Adam Gase. Key, Jay, I want your reaction to this. Saying something that many thought Gase would never utter. I came here to help him, help him develop his career, and we haven't been able to do that. And, you know, that's why these next every game is so important is keep trying to help him grow, keep trying to help him, you know, develop and, and see things the way that he needs to see them and, and play the way that I've seen him play in certain games. We need to do things well, you know, around him. But at the same time, it's on me to get him to play better than what he's played. And, you know, right so far, I haven't, I, I mean, I haven't done a good enough job. You know, we got to do a better job as a staff. We got to put these guys in the best position possible. And, and then those guys got to go execute. I mean, it's on all of us. I mean, we, we all have to do a better job and we have to find a way to put the ball in the end zone. You ever thought he'd say those words? I, I mean, it's good. It's encouraging to hear, to be honest with you. I don't think he'll be in New York to see it through. Um, but it's encouraging to hear. And this is kind of echoing the same things that I've been saying. Now, maybe he's listening to me and, and Bart Scott and other people in the industry about lack of weapons, not putting him in the best position, all of those sort of things. And maybe he's just deciding that we broke him to the point where now he's going to start using what we've been saying all along. I think Sam Darnold, man, when you look at it, three years ago, he was supposed to be the savior of the New York Jets franchise at the quarterback spot. This man has had three to four different offensive coordinators in his ear calling plays for him. You cannot 
function like that. I don't give a damn who you are at the quarterback spot. You can't, let alone when you don't have any help. The receivers that they selected on the 53-man roster, he hasn't played with all three or four of them at once this year. Think about it. Every time he look up, there's a different receiver in the huddle. And he hasn't helped himself either. Because when you start to apply too much pressure, you start doing crazy things. Throwing the ball uh, back against the grain, getting it intercepted. Seeing ghosts. See, uh, the seeing the ghosts, yeah. Seeing the ghost comment, yeah. That's never going to leave me. Never. And so you start to think about those things. If they move him, whatever they decide to do with him, hypothetically, let's say that they decide we're going to move him. We want to get him out of the AFC. We don't want him to be in the AFC, but we'll move him to the NFC. And they send him to San Francisco. Two years from now, he's in the Super Bowl. Hmm. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Or for whatever reason, they jet it and they decide to do. They brown it, they jet it. We're doing them all this way. I, I don't care. <laughs> Pittsburgh has given us a three and a two a two, a three in 2021 and a two in 22. Okay. We're going to move him to Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden, he becomes the next Ben Roethlisberger. Why are you sitting over here with Trevor Lawrence and his family? And you, you, you got Boy. that whole situation over there, and you're trying to build. He can't help himself, Zubin. You, he's trying can't. to build <laughs> off of that. And meanwhile, he's over here in Pittsburgh. On his way to a Super Bowl, on his way but, to an AFC championship. But, but Key, you're, you're giving me a lot of hypotheticals. I can give you another hypothetical. He stays with the Jets, and he, this is just who Sam Darnold is, even if you surround him with pieces. There's that hypothetical, too. Like, it just doesn't work. What if he goes to a Pittsburgh, which is a way better team? But I've seen enough, Jay, to know that that can be fixed. I've seen enough to know that could be fixed. It's all about, again, we just had a conversation for the past 30 minutes about Baker Mayfield. That is getting fixed in Cleveland because they're not asking him to do what the expectations were, which is throw the ball out of shotgun 50 times a game. Those expectations have to be tailored down for Sam Darnold. They have to be coached and tailored down. They're not doing enough to help him, period. And I know in this world that we live in, we like to the moment. We like to live in the moment. And the moment is the great Trevor Lawrence in the bad no, Sam no. Darnold or the great Justin Fields in the bad Sam Darnold. That's what we like to do. It, 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 it's not my call because it would be an easy call for me. I would bring in my new head coach and we would sit down and evaluate exactly. Sam Darnold and make a decision for the organization as the president and general manager of the team. And we would say to ourselves, do we believe that these other two young quarterbacks can lead us to where we want to go with the same type of talent. We have some money and we have some draft picks. We have another first round pick, and another later first round pick. Maybe we could draft a wide receiver. Maybe we can go get Jamar Chaser. Maybe we can go get Waddle or Smith out of Alabama. Maybe we can go find some guys. We have some picks. Is Trevor Lawrence the answer? Because we got to spend some money on Sam Darnold two years from now, or we could. Franchise tag him. We could continue to play that game and let Trevor Lawrence go somewhere. Maybe Trevor Lawrence is great. 
but you got to bet on something. Or or who you get a higher trade value for, what you can get more in return for, right? Pretty much, essentially. Well, you're going to tra- get more in return for the first round, first for overall Lawrence. pick. Trevor you Lawrence. Know? Well, two things. Number one, it feels like Adam Gase, it feels like this is a last-ditch last effort to not save his I job. I was going to say it ain't going to work. Not to save his job, but I, I think to save his respectability, right? To, to try to say maybe a future job. Like, I'm trying to do things right. Like, yeah. I'm trying to do things right. While I'm on my way out the door here, I'm going to try to sit here and say, it's like a confession, essentially, saying like, hey, look, I messed up. I haven't handled my responsibility. That's number one. Number two, I'm just, I think it's going to be harder and harder to kind of go away from the hype that's going to come with Trevor Lawrence. There, there, it, 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 it's key. Hype is, hype is dangerous. You know that, Jay. I know. And, and Key, you played here in New York. We're in New York. No, I it, get it. I get it. And I, I, I the, so you, I know you pose a lot of hypotheticals about him going to Pittsburgh or him going somewhere else and then winning a Super Bowl. But the same thing, if you're a New York fan, if you're a Jet fan, you're also worried about maybe this is, maybe even if we do surround Sam Darnold with the right skill sets or the right players, personnel wise, maybe this is who Sam Darnold is. Maybe he never blossoms out of this. Dude, man, you know this. A lot of players, your first couple of years in a league, it takes a really strong personality to, to bear out of that and say, that's not who I am, and all of a sudden play better. Maybe this is who Sam Donald is, though. The difference with Sam, though, he's not fractured mentally. How when do you know that? Well, first of all, knowing. So I know that just off the rip, as they say, full transparency. He's not fractured at all. At all, he's not fractured. Trust me on that one. Just sometimes you got to have people help you in the right directions. I'll say it and I'll say it again. Had I had Richie Kotite as my entire coach for my four years or whatever in New York, I wouldn't be sitting up here with you today. Just trust me on that one. I understand that. Coach has a lot to do with it. Kotite certainly struggled. The Jets desperately need Sam Darnold and everyone else, frankly, to get in the zone. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone, a couple of teams that are moving in the right direction. It's the 8-3 and three Browns and the 8-3 and three Titans Sunday. Here's the problem with the Browns. They've got one win out of eight against a winning opponent. Baker would tell you, I think he's, he's ready to uh, ascend. You got to just marvel over Derrick Henry. Touchdown, Tennessee. Derrick Henry. Nice cut. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Yay. Progressive's home quote explore. Quoting by all online at progressive.com. Let's head to the Shell Pennzoil performance line to welcome in ESPN NFL insider Diana Rossini. Speaking of the Browns and the Titans, that's the game she'll be covering on Sunday. Diana, good morning. I guess this is a drama-free Cleveland Browns team. It's been a while since we've been able to say that with the biggest drama wondering whether Baker Mayfield's going to be over under 200 yards passing. When that's the biggest thing you got going on, you know it's been drama-free. That said, how has Baker felt about his role in this offense with the return of Chubb and them sitting at 8-3, and three, but not on his shoulders? Yeah, you know, I thought it was really interesting all week long. The conversations that we've had with players and coaches over Zoom have been all about the run game. I mean, we all know that the Titans got Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb on the other side of it with Kareem Hunt. This is just going to be all about the run. And, you know, Baker kind of changed the direction, changed the narrative, be like, hey, guys, you know, 
the quarterbacks need to do their jobs too here. This <laughs> is also going to come down to me and Ryan Tannehill. So uh, I think he's obviously comfortable with the Kevin Stefanski offense that really doesn't ask too much of Baker Mayfield. And, you know, Key, I heard you guys talking a little bit about Baker earlier in the hour here, and, and you hit the, the points dead on when it comes to how this Titans defense is looking at Baker Mayfield. Their attitude is we got to make sure we get ahead quickly because they haven't had a lot of games where they've been behind by a lot of points and Baker's had to come up with uh, you know, some big yards and some big plays. They've kept it really close by using that run game. So the Titans' attitude is we got to get ahead quickly and fast right out of the gate to put them from behind, kind of the way they did against the Baltimore Ravens. It's that same mindset is they don't really believe that the quarterback can make that magic to keep them in the game if they can get ahead. So, you know, for, for, for Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, they're not asking too much of him. But, uh, you know, you look at their situation, if, if, they're, if he's doing what they need to do, which is just manage this game, that's a good thing for them because they're winning that way. They're not, they don't need them to do anything extra special. Diana, let me ask you this, though. Around the league, obviously, in, in, in certain circles, the Tennessee Titans are perceived a certain way. It's like they're there, but they're not good. How do they feel about the way people are kind of viewing them? Yeah, I love the way you put, that, put it that way because that's how I see them. I'm like, I think they stink. Wait, no, they're good. No, they stink. You know, it's and I cover them so much, so I, I never like have a real grasp. And, and I'm around them so much, yet I still don't know what they are. But here's the 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 vibe I got from them after the Colts game in Indy on Sunday. After Derek, you know, r- rushed for you know over 150 yards, three touchdowns in just the first half. Uh, Ryan Tannehill doing everything he possibly could to to win that game. They, they, that was the best they've looked. The Tennessee Titans have finally discovered their identity. They're at that point. If you guys remember last year, this is when they started to pick up steam. It was December. And December also happens to be the month that Derrick Henry shines the most. It's Tractacito season, as they say. Uh, This is where he really starts to do the damage. And, And, I mean, you look at that Colts run defense. I know they were missing key players there. Um, but that was one of the best defenses that they faced all season, and they had no issue with them. But, you know, the Titans' attitude, they they always play with such a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, it stems from their head coach, Mike Vrabel, who's just mad all the time uh, <laughs> at everything. You know, even, even this past week, I mean, they, they put together a great game against the Colts. And Vrabel this week just, I mean, it was one of the – like most uncomfortable press conferences he's had all all season. You would have thought they lost. Um and I think that's because they're not satisfied. I don't think they they feel like they should have lost the games they did. I still think they look back on that Steelers game that they lost and they think they should have won that game. Um and, and obviously the first time they played the Colts when special teams fell apart, that was very irritating to them. So the fact that they're now figuring out their identity, putting this together The Titans are not going to go into the playoffs with any new attitude than just, we know you all hate us, you all think we stink, but we're comfortable because that's who we are. Diana, I know you said Mike Vrabel always feels like he's never satisfied. I know Baker Mayfield feels the same way. He always wants to get better. How has he felt about the offense this year and his role within the offense? So I remember talking to Kevin Stefanski a few weeks ago about just his belief in Baker. Because I've always just trying to figure out if he 
is disappointed by him. Did he think that Baker would be better? Um, and the, my takeaway from just talking to his coach is that Baker's openness to do whatever is needed has been the biggest advantage to them. There's, there's no ego involved here. There's no, um, you know, we're seeing a little bit in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady wanting a certain type of offense where he's throwing downfield. We know that's what he wants to try to do more of. That, that's not the sense that I'm getting from this organization when it comes to Baker. But I think for him individually, this was there's a lot of pressure on him. And there was a lot of pressure on him coming into this season. And, and losing Odell uh, obviously you know hurts him um, and hurts that offense. But the fact that they've been able to rely on, on a really strong defense and, and a run game that, guys, we expected it, right? They hired Kevin Stefanski for this exact offense that we're seeing. Um, so I think as long as he's just doing what, what – what is giving the team success, Baker has that mentality that, that you know, it, it gives him that confidence to want to keep going. Diana, you talk about a quarterback doing what the team needs for success. There's a guy in New Orleans is doing just that in Taysom Hill. What are we expecting from him in the third start this season as they take on the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan? Some of my favorite debates that we've had this week – is should they go to Jameis Winston? Are, are the Saints done with Taysom after a pretty lackluster performance against uh, you know the Denver Broncos, if we can even call them that, right? Because we, we know what that roster looked like last week. <laughs> um, look, Sean Payton is not going away from Taysom Hill. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, unless he goes out there and lays a lot of eggs over the next few weeks, his belief and trust in him is stronger than most coaches have in their starting quarterbacks that have been there for 10 years. Uh, he truly believes that Taysom Hill can get this job done. But what's the most important part of this is do, the, do, do his teammates believe that? And I covered the Saints when they played the Falcons during Taysom's first start. And I knew going into it they had belief in him, but I think everyone felt the same way, which is we need to see it. Uh, I remember even interviewing Sean Payton before the game and sensing he was uncomfortable and sensing he was on edge about what this was about to be. Not because he didn't think Taysom could do it, but more understanding that there was a lot of pressure on him because Sean Payton has so much belief in him and because we know that Drew Brees has been so successful with this offense. As long as he just manages the game, I'm always going to go back to the offense that we saw last year with Teddy Bridgewater. Those guys flowed like it was no issue, like Drew was still out there. They, they kept it simple. They didn't ask too much of Teddy, and I think that's what we're going to see from Taysom. They're just going to continue to ask him to do just, just run the offense, don't ask to do too much, and they're going to have success. It's a great point. Just do what you got to do. Keep the train on the tracks. I don't think there's another NFL player I can think of that at the age of 30, nobody really knows who he quite is at the age of 30. Sean Payton, though, certainly seems to know who he is. Diana, thank you very much. Safe travels. We'll see you on Countdown Sunday morning. Travel safe, Diana. Thanks, guys. Love talking to you. Uh-huh. Take care, dude. Right back at you. Let's go from A to Z. <laughs> And it's brought to you by Redbox. Redbox's new movies at the box and streaming on demand. Don't miss Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe. Visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch. A little college football drama. BYU 
has a new opponent on basically two days' notice. Liberty was set to face Coastal Carolina with the game day treatment. Instead, Liberty's got an outbreak of the coronavirus. Their entire defensive coaching staff is done. BYU says we'll step in. We'll go to Conway, South Carolina, and take on the Chanticleers. Trevor Maddich, BYU legend, on saying the key for the Cougars to win and stay perfect is simple. BYU's defense learned about it yesterday. And so I expect BYU's offense to understand that they have to probably score a lot of points. They need to expect this to be a track meet. And if it's not, well, good for them. But the thing about the offense with Zach Wilson at quarterback is that it's not only a good running attack, it also is one of the best downfield passing attacks in all of college football. And Trevor's going to join us at 910 Eastern Key. Simply put, how does an entire football program prepare for a game on 48 hours' notice? Well, you, 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 it's all about the the, uh, the analysts. It's all about the assistant coaches, game planning, getting out the last four games of Coastal Carolina, breaking it down, down in distance, first down, second down, third down, red zone, what the special teams look like, crash course. They've got to squeeze a four-day preparation period down to maybe 48 hours or less. And then – as they get into the Carolinas, they're going to be meeting in their hotel room, uh, going over things constantly, uh, making adjustments to their game plan, adding things that they've seen other teams against Coastal Carolina hit on. They'll be adding them to their game plan, adding them to their offense, adding them to their defense. So it, I don't think it'll be sloppy, but it'll be an interesting way to look at things. They don't make adjustments at halftime. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for both teams, opportunity for BYU to prove that they're not the 13th best team in the country, that they should be ranked a lot higher. No question. If they or can lower. Get, or lower. <laughs> with the loss, for sure. If they can move up from 13 to 12, that would put them in excellent position to get a New Year's Day 6 opportunity. If you're outside of the Power 5 structure, being in the top 12 is really the key to try to get one of those gigantic bowls and everything that comes from it. And a win against the Chanticleers might do it. They just need to move up one spot. It's one crazy move in college football in a season full of them on the way huge spot this weekend for two bright young quarterbacks that have one very interesting thing in common that's next thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin make sure to subscribe rate and review you can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio ESPN News or wherever you stream your audio